Welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode of It's Time, we'll listen to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of 2 Samuel. This book is especially important as it focuses entirely on the life of King David, the line of Christ. Examining the triumphs and troubles of David, we can learn a lot about being a person after God's own heart. With the timely study on 2 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of 2 Samuel. Uh, We'll uh, look at some of the great praises of David, very reminiscent of the Psalms, some of the things we'd find there. You know, God had given David many blessings in his life, many deliverances, and yet uh, we find that uh, David's life was full of a lot of failure as well, and yet God continued his blessing through his life as David yielded his life back to the Lord again. You know, we don't find anywhere in the Bible anybody living perfectly other than Jesus Christ. And so, first of all, anybody here tonight that maybe has experienced that um, thing of beating yourself up over things you've done wrong, well, I just want to encourage you tonight that uh, the Lord has a purpose and a plan for you and and that he's going to see you through no matter what goes on. And so uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we thank you for this opportunity that we have to study your word. We just ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, God, that you would encourage us. And again, Lord, we thank you for all the things that you've done. May, may you now just have your perfect way and will in our life. And again, Lord, we thank you. May we remember these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we find here, again, another Psalm of David, very uh, encouraging very much blessing God for the things and and basically bringing into mind um, the things in which God had done for him. You know, again, I think there's a real blessing in remembering what God does for us. You know, the Bible says to remember the hole from which you were pulled and the pit from which you were dug. And I, I think that's really important because a lot of times if we, we forget. And so we need to be reminded again of what God does for us and his great things, his promises for us. And so Uh, Chapter 22, verse 1, it says, Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And so it's interesting, he spoke this word to the Lord. Um, Evidently, maybe he wrote it down and, and, um, uh, you know, he really weighed his words out well before he basically sang this or, or prayed it. But we have it tonight to look at. And so he says like this, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. The Lord is my Petra. He's my, my place of refuge. He's, he's that which is unchangeable and that which is strong. He goes on in verse 3 and it says, The God of my strength, in him will I trust. Now, it's interesting here because we find that uh, his strength, um, it isn't our own strength, friends, that makes the difference in the battle. It's God's strength. And again, we look for God to intervene in our lives all the time with his strength. Now, again, this isn't being deliberate in sin. This is, this is saying in the day to day, sometimes failures that we have, that God intervenes in our lives and he strengthens us and strengthens our hand. And so, uh, again, David recognized this. David did not have a perfect life. Again, as we talked about earlier, he was a person that had many, many shortcomings and many failures in his life. And yet he recognized that, that God was the only source and his only deliverer. And again, sometimes in this life we get carried away with uh, the thoughts of this world and different things. But again, when we come back to the Lord and be serious with him, God raises us up and uses us again. And so he says he's his strength. In him will I trust. A question you might have for yourself tonight. If you're not a Christian, who do you trust in? 
You know, if you're not trusting in the Lord to work it all out, to make it all better, then what, what do you have? What, what is your source of your faith? What is your source of your, of your um, uh, hope for tomorrow, you might say? So if you're not trusting in God, who do you trust in? Then he goes on in verse 3 and he says, The God of my strength, in him will I trust, my shield and my horn and my salvation. Now, notice my shield and the horn of my salvation. It is interesting here, he references this um, as uh, his defense. Your shield is your defense. And so, again, he's the one that defends you as well as he's the one that we seek refuge in. Because, again, friends, we all need that. Uh, This world has a really good way of beating the tar out of all of us, doesn't it? But, you know, when we find our strength in the Lord, God takes care of us. And so even though maybe people have let you down, your friends have failed you, all I can tell you is this, God never fails, and he's not going to let you down. Notice he goes on, and he says, my stronghold and my refuge. Now, this word stronghold here is literally the word high tower uh, in the original language. And what that meant was that this is where uh, the, you might say, a person's farm, you might say, or a, a city was protected by the city walls, and there was a high tower. It was the lookout that would look and, and, and spot danger a-coming. Um, and basically, the high tower was, was an impenetrable uh, kind of fortress. It was, it was very solidly built and also impossible to scale. So he, he said, the Lord is my high tower. There's nothing that's going to interfere, interfere with God's viewpoint of everything going on in my life. And friends, that's an important thing to know because somehow we think, well, you know, I've really messed it up, God, and and you're done with me. Hey, listen, God's bigger than the things you've done wrong. And uh, so you just let him fix it and and, uh, you'll be blessed. And that's something that we can always trust in him, my stronghold and my refuge. And again, a refuge is where you go. Friends, you don't go to a refuge when everything is going well. Um, uh, you go to a refuge when, when everything is gone upside down and been wiped out and all the different things that we often even can see right now in our own newspapers and in the world that we live in tonight. Uh, there's a place that we need to go where we find peace, a place where we need to go where we know that, uh, that uh, we're going to find the help we need. You know, it's interesting with all these different catastrophes, everybody looks to the government. Government, fix it. Government, fix it. Do you know that's not the purpose of government, friends? The government is not, purpose is not to rebuild people's homes. You know, it's not. Now, I know that might sound a little heartache, uh, heartaching right now in the midst of all this, but you know the government is to govern the people, but it's not an endless chain of money that comes. Now, I, I think that we need to be as Christians the most charitable and the most giving and the most uh, helping the po- people possible. But you know, if, if you look back through history, you know, there are reasons why they built Rome eight to 10 miles inland because they couldn't trust the sea because the, the sea had its problems then just like it does now. The only difference is they didn't have all the great insurance companies of America to keep rebuilding Rome every few years. Well, we got a problem and we can see these catastrophes that come and, and, and everybody looks to the government. The government is my refuge and my fortress. Friends, it's not. It's God. And you know, someday, maybe our government will be broken. Maybe there won't be anybody else to turn to except the Lord. But I want you to remember this tonight, that you have the Lord that you can turn to. He is the one. And so no matter what happens, you know that God is going to be faithful. Whether you're in America tonight in a, in a very comfy place, not threatened by winds or earthquakes, or whether you're preparing to go overseas and be a missionary into whatever waits you uh, in the foreign field. We have a refuge that we can go to. And a refuge, friends, again, is where you go when things are troubled. And so, again, we have one that we can go to when we find these kind of issues at hand. Verse, uh, the last part of verse 3, it says, My Savior 
You saved me from violence. You know, there's a lot of violent people in this world. Some people are just violent with their mouth. Some people are violent with their fists and other things. But the Bible says, God, you will save me. Now, again, this is not predicated, friends, upon David's perfect relationship, or maybe I should say his perfect walk with the Lord. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart, but it, but it, isn't, it isn't because David always did everything right. But what it was is when he was confronted with his sin, he repented and he turned. And friends, I'll tell you, there's some sins that we can turn away from pretty easily, isn't there? And there's others that we have to sometimes wrestle and fight with our whole lives. Amen? And so we know then that God doesn't give up on us. And, and you know, even in Peter's life, there's somebody that we find close up that we can look at. He always had a problem of what people thought of him. We remember that uh, he uh, uh, denied the Lord. Um, we remember Jesus said, before the cock crows twice, you'll deny you know me three times. And we remember that he did just exactly what Jesus said. And we think, well, yeah, but that was before, that was before he was spirit-filled, as we find there in Acts chapter 2. No, we find later on that Paul had to rebuke Peter as well because he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles for fear of what the Jews would say. Now that's a sin to show prejudice and show partiality, and yet Peter was doing it. That's not very good for the first pope, but that's what he did. Just kidding. But Paul rebuked him to his face, he said. Now, now what that tells me a little bit about is this is that there are things sometimes that we have to work with sometimes our whole life. And so that's why we don't want to uh, play with danger. We want to allow God to do what he wants to do without uh, hurting us, or, or maybe I should say without hurting ourselves or, or somebody else. And so he says, my Savior, you save me from violence. And again, friends, there's a lot of violence in the world. And there's a lot of violence against you because you love God. You know, David had a whole lot of enemies because the hand of God was in his life. And you know what's really sad? Usually the people that attack you, the hand of God is not in their life or it's no longer in their life. And this is something that you'll see all the way through Scripture is those who are vicious against God's people, it's because the, the Spirit of the Lord is no longer in their life. There's something wrong. Because if it was, they would consider their own sins and shut up. But when they don't do that, it simply shows that God has departed from them And you know what's really sad? A lot of times these people think that God's blessing is still in their life when they're going to find out, unfortunately, that God is not going to sustain them. So again, friends, he is your protector. And he is, again, as it says here, that you save us from violence. Verse 4, he says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Actually, we sing this song sometimes in our worship. And uh, so we know that um, many of these uh, not only Proverbs, uh, or, or maybe I should say Psalms that David wrote, and, and Asaph and some of the others, but we also find even this one here out of Second Samuel that has been put to music. And so he says, I'll call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Do you know that's, that um, statement, worthy to be praised, is kind of an interesting statement, because you know why? There's a lot of things we give our attention to and our praise to that is not worthy. It's true. You can invest a lot of time, energy, and effort into things that mean nothing. And so he is worthy of your time. And I think that's important to to remember is that you have somebody that captures your heart and your life who is worthy of capturing your heart and your life. I think this is almost a backward statement here, you might say, in that what are you spending your time on that is not worthy to be praised? And so we look at that and we think, we go, golly, you know, Do I need more time in a day or do I need to be a better manager of time in the day? What commands my attention? What commands my thoughts? Verse 5, 
The waves of death encompassed me, and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me, and the snares of death confronted me. This is interesting here because I thought that when I became a Christian, I wasn't going to have any hard times. <laughs> Isn't that true? Isn't that sometimes what we think? When we accept the Lord, we put Jesus in our pocket and climb to the top and I'm never going to have another tear. You know, I, I, and, and people laugh about that and I'm being a little facetious here. But at the same time, I've seen a lot of people leave their relationship with the Lord because they go through some hard times. Now you think about it for a minute. When sometimes you want to just give up on the Lord because you've been going through something and you don't completely understand it and your, 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 your tendency is to just give up and run away. Well, I'll tell you, friends, it, it all happens. And it says, when the waves of death encompassed me, when the floods of ungodliness made me afraid, the sorrows of Sheol surrounded me and the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. You know, in your distress, I, I want to remind you, always call upon the Lord. There's a lot of other things you can call upon. You can start damning God. You can, you can start swearing. You can do all kinds of things. But you know, the Bible here says when all these bad things happen to him, and again, I don't want to believe that, that troubled times come to a person who loves God, but we certainly saw it in David's life, and we see him talking about it right here. This is a prayer to God. So David is not only mentioning the things in which were great that, that God did for him, but also in the troubled times of his life, he also said, okay, God, I recognize that you have been there with me through my troubled times, and I will call upon you, it says, in my distress... And cried to my God, and he heard my voice from his temple, and my cry entered his ear. So I, I think this is noteworthy here, that even before Jesus became our advocate with the Father, which the scripture tells us, and that's what Jesus is. He's basically your lawyer, you might say. When you sin, when you do things wrong, when you, you know, that's why when we pray, we, we pray to the Father in Jesus' name. And, and, and again, uh, but David did not have the advocacy of Jesus Christ, and yet David recognized that God heard his prayers. And I think that's pretty important. So how much more then, being a joint heir with Christ, as Paul tells us uh, in our relationship with God, that we have now with him, because uh, now God really listens to our prayers. That's why Jesus said it like this, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. And we go, wow, carte blanche, let's win the lottery, yeah. No, it's, it's whatever we ask in his name, in his will, he will do for us. But God hears our prayers. And David here is saying that God heard my prayers. And then the earth shook and trembled, verse 8. Foundations of the heavens moved and shook because he was angry. And smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. <laughs> it just... Barbecue time. And he bowed the heavens also, and he came down with darkness under his feet, and he rode upon a cherub and flew. Now this is interesting because we find some descriptive language here, and this is very rare to find in the Scripture. Now we find in the book of Revelation, chapter 4, we find the, the, uh, the seraphim, uh, that uh, cover themselves. It's quite a descriptive, and there's a lot of different ones that are described there. We also find it in the book of Isaiah as well. But here it's actually saying that they are rideable. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. It says, He rode upon a cherub and flew, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind, and he made darkness canopies around him, and dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. 
From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. So you see this majesty of God described. Everything pales. Everything goes dark in the light of God. And friends, I think that's something that we always have to remember is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what goes on around you. That God is always there and will be faithful to you. It's interesting when those that were picking on David and David cried out to the Lord that God heard it and God came to David's rescue. It's interesting here uh, with the uh, colorful description that David says in the fury of in which God came to answer his prayers. Now, first of all, you got to remember something. David was somebody who saw the hand of God, saw the hand of God level Goliath before him and before all, of, uh, uh, before all the Philistines, before the nation of Israel as well, who was too cowardly to go out and trust in the Lord. And David saw the battles in which God had delivered him from. And so he understood that this was not just pure luck. Wow, you were in the right place at the right time, David. Good move. Must have been that lucky rabbit's foot. No, you never find David attributing anything to luck. As a matter of fact, you don't find anybody in the Bible attributing anything to luck. It's by divine providence that they were and who they were, where they were, at the time they were, by God's hand. So again, nothing takes God by surprise. So nothing takes God by surprise of what you did today. Now, isn't that great to know? You go, whoa, some things took me by surprise. But you know what? God knew all those things about you when he called you into his kingdom. When he called you into the position you were in, he still knew all those things and he still has you be and has you do what you do for him. Well, verse 14. The Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice and he sent out arrows and scattered them. Lightning bolts, he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen and the foundations of the world were uncovered. At the rebuke of God, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. Wow. When God fights your battles, man, you're going to win. As a matter of fact, when God fights your battles, from as we read here, there ain't a whole lot left of the other side. I mean, God kind of fries them all. Now, I kind of like that. Now, you know, that's why the Bible says pray for your enemies. People say, I'll pray for them. Pray God to kill them. You know, that's the way we like to pray for our enemies, don't it? But, you know, I, I believe... That, that, that God has us pray for our enemies for, for a couple of reasons. One, it's to condition our heart so that we won't have a vendetta in our soul. Uh, in other words, that we do things, we say, okay, God, now I, I, I turn this over to you and have you. Have you ever gotten mad at somebody wanted to kill him or strangle him or run your car into him or, or take a particular finger and point at him or, or, or something like that? I mean, have, have you ever felt that way? I mean, I think we have at times. But you, you see, the thing is, is that, is that man's wrath does not work the righteousness of God. And, and if you're going to deal with the problem, then why do you need God? If you're going to get into the mix and, and say, okay, well, I'm going to take care of it, then you, you really don't need God. What, what's the purpose of God then? Or does God intervene? Now, I'm not saying that we don't do anything. I think that we have to defend ourselves and different things like that. Don't, don't misunderstand me. And, and certainly we find that David, when he went out to meet Goliath, he didn't walk out there and say, hey, you big giant, fall down right now. He didn't do that. The Bible says he picked up five smooth stones. It's interesting that Goliath had a couple of brothers too. Maybe David was just being prepared in case they come popping out from around a rock, being them too, cut off their head too. 
But whatever it was, it, it, it tells us that he went out armed with what he had. And God used that and brought about Goliath's death and a great victory for Israel. Now, as I look at this, I realize something. God's ways of dealing with situations, circumstances, and problems, friends, is a lot different than the way we do it. You see, God has a way of doing things as to still, even though this person is in a rotten, rebellious state, whether it be a Christian or not, God has a way of, of bringing that person into the kingdom of heaven. And, 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 it, and you know, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he loved only the really good people. It doesn't say that, does it? It says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in that world is also your enemies, my enemies. Those people that wish to do you harm, those people that lie and cheat and steal and do all these things, sometimes, unfortunately, even in the name of God, it isn't something new. It's all the way through the New Testament and the Old Testament. But, but as you look at this, you, you realize that God is still God. And, and all God is looking for is somebody that will trust Him. Now, friends, trust is a hard thing because, again, it gets back to an issue. Do you trust God? Yeah, I trust God. Okay, now here's the next part. How much do you do? How much does God do? Noah, I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood. Okay, send me a rubber raft. No, you, you know what? The Bible tells us for a hundred years. Now that's, that's a whole lifetime for you and me. Worked on a boat. Now, before the flood, men lived to be almost a thousand years old, 930 years, 960 years, things like that. They, they probably got their mortgage paid off and paid their car off too before they died. That's kind of nice. Probably finished a lot of their projects around the house there that they were always meaning to get to. But um, the Bible tells us that, that um, for a hundred years that Noah witnessed to his generation. Now, it doesn't tell us that Noah ever said anything to anybody. But just building that boat every day was, was quite a statement. Well, what I'm saying is simply this, is that there is a balance. We say, oh, I trust God, but that doesn't mean we don't do anything. That means we pray and find out what God wants us to do. Uh, again, when, 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 when David stepped out in faith to kill Goliath, he didn't go out there and say, hey, you big ugly dude, fall down dead. He didn't do that. A lot of times we think that. Well, you know, I've been meaning to get a job. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trusting God for my job. And I'm going to lay right here in bed until the phone rings. Somebody hires me. Is, is, that, is that faith? Is that, is that God fighting your battles? Or is that laziness cloaked in, in faith? Or we might say faith, a flawed faith, you might say. So what, how much do we do and how much does God do? Well, I'd like to tell you the secret formula for that. I don't know. Now, I wish I could answer that for you because it would be real nice to be able to answer that. But again, sometimes God has you do everything. And sometimes God will have you do nothing. You know where I find the answer to that is? Is, is in prayer. And you do what God unctions you to do, and you just pray, okay, Lord, open and close the doors according to your will so I'll know what you want me to do, because I'm a really a dumbhead and I don't know. Now, it's okay to admit your failures to God. And it's okay to admit to God you don't know what you're supposed to do. Friends, I, I found that a lot in my life. But I know this, that God continues to guide us and has us do what we do. And you can see the impact in other people's lives by, because of the faithfulness that you have exerted towards God. 
There's many of you in this room tonight because somebody else was faithful concerning the Lord. Because somebody prayed for you or somebody brought you to church or somebody uh, stayed up all night with you and, 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 and worked with you so that you wouldn't end up going off the deep end. I believe that God has a way to do things. And, and again, God has a way of having us do what he wants us to do. And, and the way he does things is different than the way we do it. And that's Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River Christian Fellowship with Second Samuel on It's Time. If you'd like to have your own copy of today's episode, you can obtain one for free from the daily iTunes podcast. If you want a hard copy, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order. And while you do that, don't forget that 2 Samuel is part two of the first and second Samuel series available from the River Christian Fellowship. Please tune in next time for another relevant Bible study on It's Time. It's time.